So as I hinted at in the introduction, Advent season is a season of waiting. So in our church during Advent, we learn to wait for God because in life, we must learn to wait for God, right? We just finished a sermon series on prayer. And I'm going to preach a sermon today that talks about prayer as it relates to Advent. So this sermon is going to kind of be like a bridge between our series on prayer and then our new series on Advent, which is Advent, Prepare the Way. This sermon will seek to address one of the hardest parts of prayer, and it's waiting for God to answer, waiting to God to show up when we feel forsaken. Our preaching today, text for the day is going to be Psalm 25, so you're welcome to open up to it if you'd like to. And here we hear the psalm writer praying about waiting for God. He says this in, in verse 20, he says, Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. And then in the gospel reading today, we heard Jesus say, Pray and do not lose heart. Now, why would he say that to his disciples? Why would he say that to us? Well, it's pretty clear that we do lose heart. That's why. He knows us. We do. We begin to doubt. We get frustrated. We get worried. We grow angry. This Advent sermon series is titled Prepare the Way. And as we prepare our hearts for Christ's coming, one of the first things we have to learn to do is wait. And we have to learn to express all the things we're feeling in the waiting game. So one of the big questions I want to focus on today is how do we wait well? In the waiting game, how do we not lose heart? And today I want to share with you an ancient form of prayer that's been a great comfort to me in times of waiting and in times of pain. It's something that the Bible calls a lament. For those unfamiliar with that word, you're probably thinking, what the heck is a lament? Prayers of lament are one of the three main types of psalms. The two types that we're most familiar with in the psalms are prayers of thanksgiving and then prayers of praise. In church, we praise God and we give thanks to him all the time. But prayers of lament don't take center stage as much in public worship. But this, in the scriptures, they do. 61 of the 150 psalms are psalms of lament, if you want to throw that slide up. These are all the psalms of lament. Some of them are community psalms, the whole community lamenting for what they're going through calling out to God. And then there's all of these individual laments of individual people in Israel's history that have cried out to God. Much of Job is a prayer of lament. And there's even a book of the Bible that has the word lament in it. Do you guys know what it is? Lamentations. All right. So you guys have heard of it. Um, So what is it? What is lament? A lament is a prayer directed to God himself asking for deliverance and comfort in a current situation of trouble and distress. That's the kind of biblical definition of what a lament is. And it's a prayer that comes in the in-between when we're waiting for God to act. And if we have time at the end of the sermon, we're actually going to pray a prayer of lament together. So why do we need laments, especially in church? Isn't it better to just stick with praise and thanksgiving? Why lament? Because here's the thing, when we only have prayers of praise and thanksgiving in church, it can give the impression that everyone has to check their troubles, their doubts, their sorrows at the door. 
But in reality, God is inviting us to bring our troubles and doubts and sorrows to him in worship. A couple friend of ours um, back in South Carolina, they were struggling with infertility. And in the midst of that struggle, they had changed church traditions to Anglicanism. And, the, and they were kind of coming to terms with the fact that they might not be able to have biological children. And I remember asking them, so why did you guys become Anglican? And the wife answered me very directly. She said, in our other tradition, we didn't sense the freedom that we could suffer. In the Anglican church we began attending, we found a place where we could express our pain. We needed a tradition that had room for suffering. So as much as we need praise and thanksgiving, we also need lament in our waiting. So I want to explore some of the questions that we face as we wait for unanswered prayers, as we wait for the Christ coming. And I want to explore these questions by structuring the three sections of this sermon around the pattern that we see, the three, the three parts that we see in prayers of lament, because they generally have a certain structure. So what's the first movement in a prayer of lament? How does the lament start? This is curious. It actually starts with expressing a complaint. What? Complaint? You can't complain in prayer, can you? Can you? But here's the thing. If you look at the Psalms, you realize that they're full of complaint. All of these Psalms you'll find a complaint in. These are the people of God pouring out their heart, their anger, their fear, their frustration, their doubt, their sorrow, and their pain. In the Psalms, we see the full gamut of human emotion. And frankly, if we can't be honest and real and vulnerable with God, then who can we be real with? So you see, there's a difference between complaining about God and complaining to God. A lament is not merely saying, I'm frustrated with God. It's praying, God, I'm frustrated. A lament is not saying, I'm angry at God. It's saying, God, I'm angry with you. A raw prayer of lament is, saying, is not saying, I doubt God, as if it's some philosophical idea. It's a bleeding prayer of, God, I'm doubting you. Help me. So a lament is a complaint addressed to God himself. It's bringing your anger, your sorrow, your disappointment, and pain to God and saying, do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? Can you hear this kind of prayer in our Psalm 25 reading in the day? He writes, turn to me, be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my afflictions and my trouble. Forgive all my sins. Do you hear the psalmist asking, God, do you see me? Do you see what I'm up against? So what are you up against this holiday season? Because as sweet as the holidays are, they're also a reminder that all is not well. That sin and sadness and the fall is still running amok in our world. I'll tell you what I see. I love Christmas. I love time with family. But the holidays, I also see the fractured relationships in my family. 
At the holidays, I become acutely aware of the absence of people that we've lost. I see family members who've turned away from Christ or who've never known him at all. And it breaks my heart. It's a sweet time, but it's also a hard time. So whatever you're facing this holiday season, I want to encourage you, turn to God. Ask him, do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? Talk to him. Complain to him. Pour out your heart to him. Don't feel like you need to clean it up. Pour your heart out to him. So the first movement in a prayer of lament is addressing God and complaint. Not sugarcoating it, but being brutally honest with what you're going through. Now this Thanksgiving, I drove to Mississippi, Oxford, Mississippi. We left on Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. and got in about 5.30 in the morning. And I drank lots of coffee on the way. And I was listening to an audiobook as my wife slept silently next to me. Um, and it was a book that Jonathan Binky had recommended to me called Good to Great. It's a book about leadership. And it's a book about what defines great leaders. And in the book, it tells the story of a guy named Admiral Stockdale. Admiral Stockdale lived for eight years in one of the most brutal Vietnamese prison camps. He was tortured over 20 times. And since he was an admiral, his job was to try and keep the spirits of the troops up that were stuck in there with him. Try to help them endure this horrible thing that they were going through. And the author of the book was spending time with with this guy and he was talking and walking and he asked him this, Admiral Stockdale, who didn't make it out? And he said, that's easy. The optimists. They were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas came and Christmas went. And then they said, we're going to be out by Easter. And and Easter came and Easter went. And they died of a broken heart. And he talked about this paradox that those who endured lived in. He said this, first, you must face the current reality that you're going through with brutal honesty. You must face the brutal facts of the current situation. But secondly, you must have unwavering faith that you will prevail, that the story will not end in despair. He said, you had, those who endured held up those two tensions. And that's what we're doing in lament. We're not brushing things under the rug and saying, I'm not going to express what I feel to God. You're saying, God, I'm going to be brutally honest with what I'm feeling right now, what I'm going through. And you bring those things to God. But in Christ, we know that we will prevail in the end. We know the end of the story. We know that our pain may not be over by this Christmas. But we know because of Christ coming 2,000 years ago at Christmas, that there will be a day that he will come again and make everything new. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. That's the paradox that we live in. And lament calls us to be brutally honest with the current situation we're in and to have unwavering hope in the end of the story which is that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and he will come again. 
This unwavering faith points us to the second movement in the prayer of lament. And it's this. Expressing need. So we tell God, hey, do you see me? But then we ask him for help. In the first movement, we say, do you see us? But in the second movement, we ask that he would do something. And it's okay to do that. We look at God's hands and we ask him to move, to act, to help. Psalm 25, he asks for God's hand to move. Listen to his voice. Verse 5, he says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Hear him asking for God's help in verse 19. Consider how many are my foes and what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. He looks to God's hand and says, God, deliver me. Help me. Mike talked about this two weeks ago, that we can pray and ask for specific needs in our lives. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Don't let that just be something that you do for a few weeks during the prayer sermon series. Carry it into the Advent season. Keep asking him for specific things. Because Jesus encouraged us, pray and don't lose heart. I pray every single day that my family would come to know Christ. I pray for healing for people almost every single day. But to be honest, there are days when my strength in prayer wavers. And then I go back to complaint. And I bring my doubts and I bring my frustrations and ask for help. And guess what? When I'm honest with him about what I'm feeling, he strengthens me. He gives me the help I need to persevere in prayer. So where are you on this spectrum? Are there some prayers that you've just lost hope for? And I'm not going to pray for that anymore. You didn't do anything for a year. You're not going to ever do anything, God. I would encourage you, don't lose heart. Maybe some of you have lost hope in God altogether. You still show up at church, but you said, you know what? I don't think he's really moving. I don't think he's really active. And today, I want you to consider starting to pray again, starting to ask him to move. And there's some of us that are hearing this message that are honestly, they're not even sure if they believe in God at all, or if you want to believe in God. And I would encourage you too. You don't have to believe for God to answer your prayers. I would encourage you to ask God's hand to move, to show you that he's real, and to change things. Step out on a limb. Try it. See what he does. So in the second movement, we look at God's hand for help, and we ask him to do something. And then in the third and last movement, the psalmist expresses ultimate trust in God. That's what happens at the end of almost every single prayer of lament, that they ultimately express trust in God. And this is the hardest one for me. How can the psalm writers express trust in God? Because we know in their life, as they're writing this out, things haven't changed. Circumstances haven't changed. They're still going through what they're going through, but they're expressing this trust in God. How can it be? Well, in verse 15 of this psalm, there's a pivotal moment where hope pours out into this man's prayer. Listen to the psalmist's prayer. 
He says this, My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Did you see that? Did you catch it? His eyes are turned toward God. You see, in the first lament, we're asking God, can you see me? Turn your eyes to me. In the second movement, we're looking to God's hand saying, God, can you help me? But in the third movement of lament, we're turning our eyes from God's hands to his face. A few weeks ago, I was privileged to hear Archbishop Foley preach at our annual conference. And I knew I would be preaching on lament in a few weeks, which I'm doing right now. Um, And he said something that for me summed up what prayer of lament is all about. Archbishop Foley preached that our prayers and our relationship with God goes to its deepest place when we turn our eyes from God's hands, from what we need, what he can do for us, to his face, to who he is. And lament, if you press in long enough, what you'll find is that your eyes will move from what you need to who he is. Your eyes will catch the gaze of his eyes. So what changes? What changes when we look into the eyes of God? When we're suffering and we turn our eyes to God's, from God's hands to his face, we see something we don't expect. We see that he isn't a God that merely watches us suffer from afar with glazed over eyes, but he suffers with us. In fact, he suffered for us. We see in his eyes that our pain is his pain, that our sorrow is his sorrow, that our anger at injustice is his anger at injustice. Brothers and sisters, hear this. There's no trouble that we endure that God has not endured with us and for us. When we look into his eyes, we see that he suffers with us. And I had this moment when I was praying a prayer of lament in college. And honestly, I didn't even know what a prayer of lament was at the time. We, do, we, we lament all the time without knowing it. And I was struggling with the time where I was feeling the absence of God. I didn't, I didn't sense him in my life for the first time. And it had been about two or three months, and I remember in anger crying out to them, saying, what are you doing? And I remember looking and saying, God, do you know how much this hurts me to not feel you? And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was as clear as day. I sensed God saying this, as much as it hurts you, it hurts me more, my son. When we look into God's eyes, we see that he suffers with us. You're not alone. And so I want to encourage you, pray with brutal honesty and do not lose heart. In Atlanta, a few weeks back, my wife and I went to a concert. Um, It was a concert for one of my favorite artists. Um, He is critically acclaimed, this guy by the name of Sufjan Stevens, and he's a Christian. Um, but, he's, but he is acclaimed as an independent artist. Everybody, like, I'm seriously, like, he always gets great reviews on his CDs and stuff like that. Um, but his latest CD, which was what pretty much the whole entire concert was, was, was a prayer of lament. He was lamenting the loss of his mother. He was lamenting his childhood because his mother struggled with schizophrenia. 
and eventually pushed the kids away, struggled with drug, drug addiction. And it was as he was pouring out his thoughts and his heart and his emotions to God. And at the end of the concert, he said, guys, thank you for enduring this with me. He's like, I've been thinking a lot on death and mortality. And he's like, and it's very easy to get down in the midst of that. And what he said was this. He told this little bit of a story. He said, I went to my sister-in-law's birth, the birth of my niece. And it was, it was a home birth. And there was a midwife that was there that was giving birth to the child. And he said, it was different than what I expected. Because in ER, the doctor's always like, push, push. But that's not what she said. She kept saying this one thing, bear down. Bear down, she said in an authoritative voice. And then he said this. When it seems unbearable, bear down. When it seems like you can't go on anymore, you bear down. You bear down. I saw my sister-in-law bear down. And then a beautiful new life appeared. And so people of God, whatever you're going through, bear down. Be honest with God, brutally honest with God, and pray and do not lose heart because he is with you to the end of the age. So let's pray.